0: Good morning and welcome to Sunlight Christian Center, located in downtown Orange. Let's join Pastor Joe and the worship service in progress. Wait around to find out whether or not there's an atheist that objects. It just simply states, in the beginning, God. And then you have this strange story of a snake talking to a woman, and that seems strange. I mean, all through the Bible you find some strange things, but let me share with you one of the strangest things that you will discover in the Bible. And it won't actually come out and hit you in the face, but... uh, If you turn to the 27th chapter of Matthew and you read through this chapter and then you read chapter 28, you would discover one of the strangest things that you could ever discover. One, in chapter 27, Jesus is dead. In chapter 28, he's alive. In chapter 27, there's a stone rolled in front of a tomb. In chapter 28, it's been pushed aside. Now, it may not seem so radical and strange, but that's probably the strangest thing you're ever going to find in the Bible. He who was dead is now alive. And that's what Easter is all about. Now, I want you to turn to the 27th chapter. There's a few verses I want to read to you on the next day, and the reason why John and Matthew points out the fact it was the next day is because the Jews were actually breaking another law in order to ensure that Jesus will be eliminated. They went to Pilate on the Sabbath day that was against their rule to mingle with any kind of a Gentile. The next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate saying, Sir, We remember, while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way, make it as sure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, setting the stone and setting the guard. They did all they could to get Jesus crucified. They paid Judas 30 pieces of silver. They arranged for the rest. They got him tried, convicted, sentenced had him crucified on a cross. They waited around till he died. They were satisfied that he died. And they were still worried. Still worried that maybe, maybe somebody would take his body from the tomb. So they sent a delegation to Pilate. said, you know, we heard, he said, there's a rumor that in three days, we don't believe it, but in three days, he said he would rise. Now we don't want his disciples come stealing his body in the middle of the night and then proclaiming that he was alive, therefore making this deceiver the first time an even worse deceiver the second time. So let's secure. And Pilate said, go ahead. Make it as sure as you can. So they got the guards. They posted the guards. They rolled the stone in place. And then they sealed the stone. It's important to understand the sealing of the stone simply meant that it was a, an, a Roman law that, that required a, anybody that tampered with a grave and taking out a, a dead body would be in violation against a Roman law, which was punishable by death. So putting the seal on the stone was a message to anybody that came by. It's against the law to even tamper with this. Nobody could get out. That's the scene. Tomb, stone, sealed, guards, nobody gets out. You know that the world really doesn't mind you coming to church on Sunday. It doesn't even mind you join the church. It doesn't mind if you stand up and clap your hands and grab a tambourine and play it. They don't mind if you tap your toes. They don't mind if you get involved with teaching and, and work in the nursery and do a little ushering, don't mind. Just don't take Jesus out. They got him locked in and they have him guarded. And they don't mind you coming by paying your respects. Stand around the tomb if you want to sing a song do whatever you just don't, just don't, just don't take Jesus out. Now you can talk about what he used to do, and you can talk about what God did, and you can talk about the miracles in the past, and the good old days, and the healings, and the times that he rescued you from a raging sea, talk about that all you want, but don't take Jesus out of the tomb, because if you take him out of the tomb, the world gets really nervous. Real nervous when you take Jesus out of this place. They don't mind him being here. They don't want him out. That—that's that, why we got a problem with, right now. One nation under. <laughs> seems like some people—they're not a lot of. God, no, no, you said it. One of these days, somebody's going to have a fit about God bless America, and I say, you can sing the song, but you have to sing it this way, mmm, bless America. <laughs> they had a graduating class not too long ago, I believe it was out here in Southern California, and the class was told, you know, because it's not politically correct, we don't want you talking about God and Jesus, not at a graduation service, because it's public, and Jesus is not allowed in public. So the class, uh, they, they had their exercise, and, and, and the one that was elected to be the valedictorian came up to the rostrum and stood before the mic. I was about ready to speak, and he, achoo, the whole graduating class said, God bless you. <laughs> and he sat down. <laughs> you can play every game you want, but you really can't keep Jesus out. He, he is out. He's no intention of going back in. The world doesn't like it and they got all their rules and regulations, not politically correct and all of that. Somebody's out there trying to take in God we trust out of our money, but but Jesus is out. But they posted the guards and they don't want, they don't want, the world does not want you to take Jesus to the workplace. And the world does not want you to take Jesus outside and put him in your home. And the world does not want you to take him outside, don't want you to keep him locked up in this place. And it's all right to get excited about Jesus here, but don't get excited about him there. The scene, a tomb, a stone, sealed, guarded. It's a heavy stone. There are some stones in your life that are so heavy, you can't budge them. You have tried. And God knows you have put every effort into it that you can but there are some stones you can't move, not by yourself. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, when, the, the next time somebody bothers you or hurts you or says something insulting to you and, and you have to find your Christian duty to for, 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 forgive, <laughs> Lord, that's a tough stone to move. Lord, give me a mountain, but don't, not that, no, not, not him, not her, no, no. I'll tell you how hard that's son and I'm not talking to you because I read it in a book somewhere I have been there. Yeah, and I had a tough time forgiving and I had a drive home saying to the Lord, Lord, you know I don't want to forget this person. And you know I'm not going to be lying to you. I, but but help me, help me Jesus, please help me Jesus, please help me, help me. And I tell you 2 300 500 times later. I'm saying the same thing. Lord, help me forgive. And then two weeks later, somebody will mention that person's name and, "Mm." I get back in my car, Lord, Lord, please help me. You know I don't want to, but Lord, Lord, help me, please. And it takes a long time time let me tell you something when it comes to forgiveness yeah, the reason why because when you get hurt there's a there's a root of bitterness that starts to grow and it entangles itself to every little part of your being it finds little places to attach itself and it refuses to let go and resentment is a tough thing to pull apart and then you come into god's presence and you hear forgive as you have been forgiven yeah uh, uh, lord that's a tough stone to move Well, that stone is sealed. Lord, help me. I know I should. I don't want to, but I know I should. I know it would be better for me if I did. Oh, Lord, I can't move that stone. And you get to the place, and I'm not going to say anybody here might But You get to the place where you say, oh, Lord, I need some help. I can't do this by myself. This is one stone I cannot move. And God says, I'm glad you finally got to that place because I can help you move that one. Come with me to chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. There will be times, brothers and sisters, where the stone that you got to move is so difficult that you have got to get help. And God is sending an angel your way to help you move that stone. I mean in fact, in fact, he doesn't even need you to put your finger on it because there are some stones that are so embedded they did it to us. And God says, I'll move it. You won't have to move it. I'll do it. What interests me about this text, because there are some things that we get into that we just can't do. And I happen to mention unforgettable, but can I mention a few other ones? There are some fears that grip us that all of the effort that you can put into moving that stone ain't going to make it move one inch. You've had it with you so long and you can't get to the place. Lord, I don't know how to move this. Worry. How about worry? Can I get a little closer to where maybe you are? Yes, you've overcome some worries. But how come they keep coming back? There's a stone there that it's really difficult to do that thing called we trust God. And God we trust. That's a hard thing to do. And so we got a stone that we can't move. And God says, I'm going to send an angel. I'm going to send an angel your way to move that stone. What excites me about this passage is that God uses the same stone designed to keep Jesus blocked, boxed, trapped in the tomb. Uses the same stone. I'm talking about the same stone the same this is a little smaller than the one that was there but I'm just preaching as you the same the same stone he uses the same stone that was used to block Jesus in to lock Jesus in he uses the same stone to mock the people who rolled the stone in place and sealed it God is incredibly economical he used the same stone and said, say, well, what does that mean? I'm, I'm going to tell you what that means in a very practical way. You know what the Bible says? Judge not that you be not judged. Remember that? It says, judge not that you be not judged, for with what measure you measure it out, with the same measure, with the same, the same, the same, with the same measure that you measure it out, it's coming back to you. Isn't that what the Bible says? Lord says, be real careful of how you criticize somebody else. Because the same criticism that you're leveling against them is coming back. It's coming back. I'm going to use the same one. I'm not going to find any different one. I'm going to use the same. That's why we're told not to judge one another. Judge not that you be not judged with the same judgment that you judge coming back. It is illustrated by taking this rock You remember when they took the the woman that was caught in the act of adultery and they placed her before Jesus, said, Lord, Moses said we should stone her. What do you say? Jesus said, he who has no sin, pick up and throw the first stone. And they all dropped their stones and walked away, went home. The reason it's not a good idea to throw a stone at your enemy is because when you throw this stone at your enemy, and if you should miss you have just handed your enemy some ammunition. <laughs> and guess which way that's coming. <laughs> it's coming back. Now, now let me take it. Should you take this stone, this criticism, and this judgment, this condemnation, and throw it at your enemy and hit him, you better make sure he's dead. Because when he wakes up, He's gonna pick up the same stone that you, you you have just handed him the ammunition with which he needs to knock your block off. God used the same stone that they used to lock Jesus in, to mock them. Could the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, moved away the stone, then, and then and then sat on it. Sat on, And I think to myself, now that's an interesting thing, because there's an attitude there. The angel sat on the stone. <laughs> sat on the stone. And I, I, could, I could see the angel, because if I was that angel, I would have folded my arms. Because I just broke the law. Punishable by death. Moved the stone to seal? You're a dead man. And the angel sat on the stone and looked at the guards, as if to say, any you guys carrying swords, objecting to what it is that... Uh, I just did. Speak now or forever hold your peace. And, and what were the guards doing? Because it's in the book. It's in the book. Here's what it says. When the angel sat on the stone, it says, verse 4, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men standing. The same stone. You remember the Red Sea? Pharaoh and all of his 250,000 stormtroopers come and they figure what they're going to do is they're going to catch the Jews in a cul-de-sac. They got them by the Red Sea. Mountains on both sides of the Red Sea. They can't go nowhere. We're coming in to recapture them and bring them back as slaves. And so Pharaoh and his men come rushing, rushing down to the desert to get to the children of Israel at the Red Sea. God took that same Red Sea that they were using to trap his people. And God opened up a four-lane highway in that Red Sea. And the children of Israel passed through on dry ground. And then God said, for good measure, I will use the same Red Sea. So when Pharaoh and his guys come pursuing after the Jews, that same Red Sea come cascading down and destroy them. The same Red Sea. When God gets... Busy doing something, he, he's real economically, he knows. How, that's, why the, that's why the Bible says, actually that's not the Bible, it says, that this, is, this is the Joe magley translation of what you will find in the Bible, it says, uh, be careful to make your words sweet because you never know which one of them you got to eat. <laughs> what goes around, comes around. The same stone you use to hurt somebody is the stone you will be introduced to again. It's coming back, same. And it's, you find it's a principle in scripture. That's why the Bible says forgive. And what do you get? Forgiven. You you want you want friends in your life. How do you get friends? You you become friendly. Same thing. You give, you receive. There's something like that. That's amazing. God will use the same, and I'm telling you, this is a spiritual truth. He'll use the same thing that has come to hurt you, and he'll use that same thing to bless you. He'll, he'll, He'll take the insult that has come to whip you like barbed wire, and he'll make that insult the motivating device in your life to bless you. Joseph said to his brother, he said, You meant it for evil, but God meant it. It, same, it the same, the same thing. It, you, what you did, you sold me into slavery. You hated me. God used it. He sold you, sold me, and selling me into slavery, and you're hating me. He used it. That's the thing that God used to bless me. So I'm sitting pretty today because of what you did. Thank you. Wouldn't you, get, wouldn't you want to get to that place? Wouldn't you want to get to the place where the ammunition that was used to cut you down was the ammunition that was used to build you up? The same stone. The same stone. I woke up Tuesday morning, early in the morning, at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm always thinking about my sermon because that's the main thing, that's what I live. I live and sleep and dream. Plan, think, and work, and love it. That's why I haven't retired. I, I, like, I like doing what I do. I woke up in the morning, and I'm thinking to myself, Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will. You, you've seen that. You've, you've heard it. You've seen it in the passion. Not my will, but thine be done. We, we, we all say that, but it's really difficult to pray that prayer. We, because a lot of us we want to pray, Lord, not thy will, but mine be done. Thank you. But Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done. I want your will to be done. And when Jesus prayed that prayer, you don't know it at first, but this is what I woke up thinking. Jesus prayed that prayer, and the answer to that prayer, listen, brothers and sisters, it might hurt, but you got to hear it. The answer to that prayer was Jesus was betrayed By Judas. He was denied by Peter. That was the answer to that prayer. He was arrested in a garden. Not my will, but thine be done. He was sentenced, mistreated, ridiculed, mocked, sent to a cross, nails pounded into his hands, a crown of thorns pressed into his brow. That was God's will. He died. They took him down from that cross and put him in a tomb. They rolled a stone in front of that tomb and sealed it. And he's inside that tomb. Now, I know we have no idea what Jesus was doing and, and, and what was going on inside the tomb, but I just think in terms of myself. I prayed, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I turn around and I get betrayed by my best friend. And then I get arrested and, and, and crucified, and I got to crucify the flesh. And, 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 and now I find myself in a tomb, and there's a stone rolled in front of me. And, and Lord, and, and this is your will? This is the will of God in my life? It's hard. It's hard to be in the will of God. Sometimes it's really difficult to stay in God's will. Because while you're in, this is the reason why it's real difficult, while you're in God's will, while Jesus is in the tomb with the stone rolled in front of the tomb, the demons are laughing. Hell is throwing a party. The religious leaders who connived and schemed to have him killed are resting, having a good night's sleep. Their work is well done. The disciples Around the run. The movement is crushed. We had a great weekend. And while they're resting, being thankful that they have finally gotten rid of somebody who was a threat, they heard something. Yeah, it says, verse 2 And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it to her, Like, like Paul and Silas who were in jail. And at midnight they began to praise God. And suddenly there was an earthquake. But not to worry because the religious leaders who were sleeping thought to themselves, well, there was an earthquake three days ago at Calvary. This is just an aftershock. shock, and 2,000 years later, the stone that rolled away, not to let Jesus out, by the way, but to let us take a look inside to see that he's no longer there. It's really difficult to be in the tomb waiting for the third day. And when I say waiting for the third day, I I am not talking three 24-hour periods, because sometimes one day can seem like an eternity, a long time. And here you are in a tomb and a stone is rolled in front of the tomb and you're waiting, and you're waiting for your deliverance and waiting, and waiting. And one day goes by and another day goes by and one week goes by and another week goes by. And and you know what makes it difficult to wait? What's really hard about waiting is while you're waiting for the stone to be rolled away. There are people outside laughing. And there are people outside celebrating. And there are people outside that are glad that you're inside. And there are people outside that think you will never get out. And there is no hope. Cause who ever heard about anybody living again? And you have got to wait. And, I, and my prayer is, Lord, I said, Lord, give me the grace to learn how to wait for my change. It's hard to wait. Because while you're waiting, there are tongues that are wagging. And while you're waiting, the blood pressures rising. While you're waiting, why, oh, Lord, give me the grace to wait. Lord, give me an attitude, an attitude. While I'm waiting. And I was thinking to myself, what kind of an attitude, what kind of an attitude could a person have? Don't wait for me, Argentina. Don't weep for me. Cause I will outweigh you. I'm waiting for my angel to come. I got word from a reliable source that an angel's coming my way. And when that angel comes, the angel gonna move my stone away. In the meantime, I'm gonna learn. How to wait? It's hard, and sometimes you got to encourage yourself because nobody's around there. First of all, sometimes people don't even know you're waiting, and those that may know you are waiting don't care. And so, so you got to learn how to encourage yourself while you are waiting. Lord, I gotta, I gotta say something to myself because nobody really knows the hurt that's really going on inside, and and I got, Lord, help me, give me, give me a word. Why should you feel, that's how you get to talk to yourself, discouraged? Why should the shadows fall? Yeah, yeah, Joe. Why should your heart be so lonely? I got Jesus and I got an angel coming. And Lord, I'm going to learn how to wait. You have been listening to Pastor Joe at Sunlight Christian Center. We are located in downtown Orange, just one block north of the Chapman Circle at 172 North Glissell Street.